0: Danny, guess what I did last night? Uh um you you got me I'm out. All right. So (laughs) last week I was, we're making some little clips and we're doing some stuff and I go, Heather, you have to listen to this podcast that Danny and I did. Like we did what I think is one of the most spectacular episodes. So I made her listen to like the first 15 minutes. I was like, we're not going to listen to all of it. Let's listen to the first 15 minutes. This is golden. And she was cracking up. She was laughing. She's like, all of these could just be snippets for these like little Twitter videos, you know, and, and she was like blown away. But then we got to the point where you were asking me if we watched a movie a very specific movie Uh called Get Out. Mm -hmm. And um, she turned to me as soon as you asked me, like in the podcast, if I had seen it, because she knows that it was like on my watch list and she wanted to watch it, but she's been, and I've been a little bit too scared to actually watch it. We don't really know. So last night we sat down, watched all of it, did it.
1: Okay, that's what you did. That's what I (laughs) want to know. Because I didn't want to let you
0: down. I didn't want to let you down. I felt you were so disappointed in me, like as a human being.
1: I was just... I just, I, it's, it's, think of it this way. It's because I look up to you so much in regards to your pop culture knowledge and your experiences. I mean, I, I think of you as being much more on the cutting edge of everything that is going on in our world. I'm like in this, you know, this like dad mindset of like chess.com and dad, and that's it. So when I, when you hadn't seen it, I was legitimately surprised. And yeah, I was like, you're ruining my vision of you. My vision of you is you're like this leader, like no. No important movie goes by without you watching it. So, all right. Well, that means that for the next few minutes, if you haven't seen Get Out, everybody, pause the bodca- podcast and go watch it because I want Motz's review of just how awesome and, and great that movie is.
0: <laughs> go take a quick one-hour and 40-minute break from the podcast. Yep. And, that's what you're um, doing. A link to where you can stream it on Amazon or anywhere, and uh, you know we so we got it. And no, this is great because I love Jordan Peele, and I love well, i both Key and Peele, but I do love Jordan Peele, who not only just directed but produced and wrote this entire thing, which is great. And I think I knew that, but I didn't know that. So this movie is like for me and Heather at the same time on the couch. It's like us playing Resident Evil, right. where it's slow. It's creepy, you're waiting for the jump scare, but then the jump scare doesn't come and you're very confused why the jump scare doesn't come and everything's confusing, but everything's really creepy, but then there's just like the music, right. the score putting it together is like on a whole different level that was like just creepy. So like the whole time we were just frightened out of our mind. And I don't know if we needed to be, but we we're, we were trying to figure it out. And, like we figured it out about we didn't figure out like the twist ending with the the neurosurgeon type guy thing, right. but we figured out most of the pieces halfway through. To be honest with you, we're like, right. oh, I bet it's I bet it's this person and that person and this person and right. that's that person from the beginning. But I did love his friend, the TSA agent. That was oh yeah, like the, the highlight, just of
1: great, amazing, great comedy, right? And he's just such a such an such an uh, an important character. Um, well, I so. This is so great. I finally get to share the story of how and why that movie rocked my world so much. One, just real quick agreement with you. One of the things that he does so well in in terms of suspense is actually not deliver the jump out scene, right? I think that's a really underrated part of how you get people kind of sort of on the edge the whole way is like he didn't necessarily, I mean, there's a couple of them, right? There's when he first kind of gets put into the, into the hypnosis, right? There's that moment and then there's one at the Mm -hmm. end with, with I think where he, where he's kind of busting out. But otherwise you're basically the dialogue is just so subtly creepy that you're on the edge of your seat expecting something to blow up and then it never does, right? And it's just, it keeps you. Like sewing so I thought that part was just brilliant from like a director standpoint of how it was put together and the final product was sort of edited and presented. But as far as the storyline goes, I knew nothing about this movie. So I had a I had an even bigger advantage in terms of enjoying it. Because here's how I saw this movie. Eric and I went to L.A. It wasn't for the Shark Tank thing, which was a last minute thing that we did for chess.com oh, last yeah. year. But it was at the last minute, I was invited to be um, the host of Magnus Carlsen's event that he did at the Milken Institute. Last year, there's a video on oh, YouTube yeah. where I was standing there looking like a chubby, that. I was looking like a chubby security guard who lost his way. Um, <laughs> but, Accurate. So I, 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 they flew us in, which was awesome, right? And we're like, they put us up and Eric came in too, to like help with the chess. And Eric and I are basically doing this last minute thing. I mean, it was just, we were sort of just crazy, like excited to be there. And then it was like 11 PM one night and Eric's like, you want to go see a movie? And we're at the hotel. I'm like, sure, right? So it was just me and Eric. And he's like, we're going to go see Get Out. I'm like, isn't that the one by the guy, Key and Peel? He's like, yeah. So, you know, it'll probably be funny. So he totally tricked me. I, I, I knew, (laughs) I, dude, I knew zero about this movie. It had just come out. Eric is like a movie buff who very on the cutting edge of Rotten Tomatoes. He knew it was getting phenomenal reviews, knew he would never see this movie with his wife. So he, he completely swindled me. My CEO. Tricked me into a theater. We went to Chipotle. We each got massive, like, you know, awesome burritos. We snuck it into the theater and we sat in the middle of this, like, empty theater, a super late showing, eating Chipotle burritos, watching, watching Get Out. And I, I enjoyed that movie so much because I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, and of course, did you,
0: were you like held? held back in like in suspense oh, the yeah. whole time like what was your Dude you know? I
1: and and so you know for those who haven't seen it it's a super intense you know kind of an intense emotional thriller obviously it was it turned a lot of heads it, it you know it's got some some pretty uh big wow we've had a couple episodes back to back with some some social and sort of uh you know not necessarily racial, but but definitely tapping into some underlying, you know, things about our society, right? Things you take for granted about about the the dynamics of different races and religions and peoples that, are, that interact in America. I think I think it I think it was a phenomenal movie as far as, you know, what was your reaction at the last scene when the cop car pulls up? Right. You don't, yes, so, you don't know.
0: Yeah, we, you don't know. And you think, I, we thought that it was going to be the cop from right, the beginning. and he was going to, I mean, but, I thought the movie yeah. was going
1: to end with the white cop getting out and shooting the good guy while the white girl is mm-hmm. on the ground and looks like she's the victim to this, like, black guy on top of her, just to say exactly what people think. And he talked about that scene and how he purposely put it together as, like, you immediately felt you know, the way that somebody who's ever been profiled feels. I mean, I can tell you like straight up, I've never been profiled in my life. I don't think, I mean, I've been in, I've been in, I've been in environments where I was the minority and been nervous at like different neighborhoods and things like that. But like being in that position where you literally, cause you're so emotionally attached to this kid who was just tortured by all these people. They tried to take his brain out of his head. And then, and then all of a sudden you feel like I mean, have you ever been like, have you ever felt like you were being profiled and sort of, you know, unrighteously categorized or stereotyped by like uh, by somebody with authority over you, by a police officer?
0: Right. I would I would say that, yeah, for me, like, I mean, no. And I mean, I would say like I do a lot of international travel. So I feel like sometimes in foreign countries, I feel a little bit like, oh, you, you know. I'm going to give you less priority because you're not from this country a little bit, but I would never say to the extent that I, I have, I have plenty of friends that have been, you right. know, um, especially like when I lived in, in Phoenix, for instance, and uh, especially in Cleveland too, it's, it's the same thing. And, and what was interesting about the movie is kind of like the level of acceptance that the character had. Like he knew that this was going right. to happen. His friend knew that it was, this was going to happen. Right. And um, I, I mean, I think, What's great about this movie is not only is it an amazing movie and touches on all those points, but hopefully it make, makes people realize like this is things that happen every single day, you know, in in all throughout the world, not only just in the U.S. but everywhere, right? So, you know, and you may not have, but you could see where this counter uh, thing did. And it was interesting in the very end. There was one, there was one character specifically that was like, "I don't care what color you are, this or this." This is why I want you right which is which is because you couldn't you know couldn't see spoilers for this whole movie by the way so yeah we we told you to go stop the podcast right um yeah. but uh yeah so i mean it was really interesting i'm really glad that you now have pushed me to go see it and we're glad that we saw it. but then we had to watch a bunch of uh project runway afterwards just to soothe oh, our I minds know. out because there was no way no, i was I mean, gonna be able to sleep i came night. out of
1: that movie you know so it's like one thirty in the morning um me and eric right I, I came out of that movie in LA, like one, like, oh my God, that's one of the best movies I've ever seen. Like, like, you, tr- and <laughs> you SOB, you tricked me. You knew that I didn't know what we were getting into. He's like, I know. I'm like, dude, I had no idea. <laughs> and I'm like, but that was a phenomenal movie. And. And like man, we got to go do something to get of my mind. I can't go to sleep right now and he and, and Eric is like, "You want to go get donuts?" So we went and got donuts at like 2 a.m. And Eric, if those who don't know, my boss, I'm a, you know, CrossFit, health nut, alficionado. Eric is like, "Eric makes me look like uh, a couch potato." Okay? I mean, Eric is <laughs> Eric is so intense about about his health and and his uh, and his exercise and he does CrossFit like 6 days a week. I only do it like 4, three or four, but anyway, he uh so, but so Eric's Eric's like one weakness is donuts. So we went and got donuts. Um. Anyway, it was it was it was a great movie, and obviously, I think it I think it was like right on as far as making people think about some of the some of the underlying you know things that maybe you don't all you think you have compassion for, you think you have sympathy for, but maybe you don't fully understand, right? And I think uh, yeah. I think it was it was phenomenal. And uh, um, all right, well, I'm really glad you saw it. So, did you like it as much as I did?
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I literally thought I think I. I don't know if I thought it was the best movie ever created, like you quoted, but I did think it was very well done. Now that compared though, have you seen Keanu by the best? I love Keanu, the best, right? (laughs) It's not called Keanu, is it?
1: Or it is. Yeah, it is.
0: It's called Keanu. Yeah. Yeah. No, cause I I think it's on multiple levels. Yeah. (laughs) Multiple levels. Keanu 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 was
1: great. Uh, those guys are just the best, anyway. But it shows how talented he is right? to deliver Keanu, and then to deliver a a thriller with you know dialogue on the level of Tarantino suspense. It was just it was just great. So, all right. Well, enough about my love affair for that movie. We can uh, we can move on to what else we've been watching. I've been watching the Olympics. What have you been watching?
0: I've been I've been watching some Winter Games. I would say
1: um, the way you said that, I thought a Hunger <laughs> I was just... Games, no Winter Games. Yeah. So, so a funny story um, from Nash last night. Go ahead, you We're first. Watching curling, yeah,
0: mm-hmm. and he's
1: like. Those guys
0: America Sport. Yeah.
1: America Sport. They, curling. America Sport. He's like, what are they doing? And we're He's like, it just looks like they're really nervous and jittery and aggressive janitors on ice. I thought that was the best. Accurate. That came from my twelve. I'm like, yeah. Like he's like, they push it and then they like do all this like sweeping. He's like, it just looks like they're sweeping on ice. Like they're they're like a jittery janitor.
0: <laughs> anyway, I like that. That was I mean, my favorite That, so that far. is basically that's basically what they're doing, right? So, if people don't know what curling is, you take these big Hawking pucks, basically, and you you slide it down there. I don't know what the end goal is. Is the end goal kind of like shuffleboard style, or what is it? Uh,
1: it's yeah. it's you get points, and so a lot of the throws that I've learned are like super strategically accurate. Strategic, stra- you know, you get strategification, as Bush would say. Um, the uh, the the stratification of it is that you want to get points, but then you want to protect your other points. Right. So it's like throwing it in ways okay. that kind of prevents. Yeah. So it's like shuffleboard on ice, I guess.
0: Yeah. That's the best way to describe yeah. it. I guess it's sh- shuffleboard on ice. I
1: think
0: so. hmm. I, I've been, we've been, we've been watching uh, the winter games and by the winter games, I mean the bachelor winter games. <laughs> um, so we're big into the bachelor here in the, in the, the H H and J household. Right. Uh, and so w- this is the first year they did the winter game. So we watched the bachelor, the Bachelor's going on. It's a pretty bad se- season because Ari's the bachelor and he's pretty terrible. He's this race car driver that's retired now. Now he lives in Scottsdale oh, and geez. he's a realtor. A lame head. And, yeah. Hashtag yeah. not interested, and, but <laughs> yeah. And he's apparently like in real life. He's amazing. Like everyone that's met him. Like, like we listen to a lot of podcasts, like, um, like, um, here to make friends and a bunch of other ones. And, uh, it's kind of this thing that's just out of control. So I got into it from The Bachelor when I watched JoJo season. And I kind of just kind of kept watching it. And when I met Heather, she was already into it. And she had, like, you know, hung out with it. But we don't take it seriously. That's the thing. It's one of those shows where it's just ridiculous. And, and you know, Heather agrees. It's just like, it's out, It's ridiculous. It's not, you know, whatever. But it's, it's you can't stop watching it. That's the problem. Right. You're like, you're just, no, I've, I've heard similar I've gone to work from,
1: like, Luke, who's had, you know, he's like, mm-hmm. I know how much you judge me for the fact that I'm obsessed with this, yeah. but I can't stop watching it.
0: I can't stop watching it. It's great. So this year, so they always do this thing called Bachelor in Paradise, which is in the summer where they take a bunch of, you know, 20-somethings, get them all drunk and put them on a beach. That's not good fun at all. That's stupid. That's even worse than The Bachelor. So these are the spinoffs. And this year, because they knew that they were going to lose all of the ratings to the Olympics, which you're stating, right? You even you watch curling, right. they came up with this idea of the, the winter games. And they would take Bachelor and Bachelorettes and people and contestants from all over the globe, because this is a global show. And fly them into Vermont, apparently, um, and and do these winter games. And uh, they did four episodes, two hours each, and it's over. It was like done in two weeks. So it was like a really short spinoff. And they literally made these people do like winter sports. They did downhill ski- skiing one day. They did um, um, dance like dance on ice or whatever. I forget what that one's called. Uh, they did uh, they did a bunch of other things like that. So they they would do that, and then if you won. Uh, then you got like the date card. Then you could pick someone to go on a date. Anyway, so that's what we've been watching, and we've been watching literally seven hours of Bachelor every single week. And that's our I life. Just, so now I can't it's over. That that Thank goodness. Sound
1: incredibly unhealthy. In I'm sorry. I mean, right? No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, so what I'm doing here is I I got home yesterday, and I was like, all right, I know I know the Bachelor's happening. I got home. You know, undid everything, put on my workout clothes, hit up the gym, Danny, I hit up the gym for an hour and I'm like, all right, now I'm ready for the bachelor. Cause I've worked out. I feel, I feel better about myself right. because I'm about to sit on the couch for two hours. But what we do is we do that thing with the DVR, right? Where you're like, all right, it starts at eight, hit Pause. And then we'll wait a half an hour and then skip through all the th- things. So it's like we're we're, we're not actually – the thing about The Bachelor is that we're not actually watching it. Like we're actively working or doing other things while it's on. So it's like a productive TV show if that's a thing.
1: You know what? That makes sense. It's like when Sean is watching a show. Well, that's how – that's honestly – that's how I initially got into The Mentalist was – I thought The Mentalist years uh, ago was basically just like a romantic comedy version of CSI, um, which I don't know if that's the most – inappropriate description of it, but, but I realized I, that's what I thought. And then I realized how wrong I was. And I fell in love with Patrick Jane and the search for red John and this mm-hmm. serial killer. And then I slowly had to put away the computer and force her to binge watch the first couple seasons with me. This was back when we only had two kids. Okay. So we could still get away with a binge watch from time to time. Um, the um, I don't I don't do that anymore. The, I mean, we're struggling to binge watch Stranger Things right now, and I want to. Like, we have to keep pushing ourselves to keep stay to stay into this and not lose our focus, you know. Um, yeah. But uh, well, so I'm glad you're doing the Bachelor. Are you part of the fantasy game Bachelor stuff? I mean, because I don't really have any other questions about <laughs> Bachelor. You already you've said everything that needs to be said. You know, it's a guilty pleasure. You yeah. D- you make it a productive watch. Yeah. You you know. Yes. It's great, it's great all that stuff. I mean, I've been watching the Olympics with the kids. I gave you Nash's zinger about curling. We we enjoy we enjoy the um, I think you know what I realized about the Olympics? The thing that What's I that? I really enjoy all the ones that I can easily tell and decide who the winner was. So basically like uh, like races yes. and speeds, even I would say even the half pipe like the one that um our boy, you know, the the American kid, uh Sean White, like
0: Oh, yeah, I heard he He crushed crushed it, it. right? And and that
1: one, even though that's a judging one, I can very easily tell that he crushed it. And it's very easy to tell when they screw up, because, like, they don't land it immediately when they come down. And, or they... You know, they, um, or they hit the side of it, which is really dangerous. But, but there's so, there's some others where, like, figure skating, or there's some where I just, like, can't tell why some people get better scores than others, and that really turns me off. So, so the speed racing, like, speed ice skating, right? The races I really love, like, the ones that are very obvious that someone, you know, flipped the script and did some badass stuff, and somebody else, like, kind of didn't deliver. But otherwise, I just don't dig watching things that i don't understand who won that's probably how people feel about chess honestly i you know at least I, yeah. chess has a it, goal it's, it's though, like watching right and i think we do a really good job like in the yeah. Pro chess league like trying to show what the computers think and describing it because it's real time with this you're watching someone do stuff and they give opinions on it and then the scores come out and everyone's like mystified by why somebody got points taken away i just you know i don't know
0: yeah i think it's almost like uh it's almost very similar to I was watching just some some soccer earlier earlier this year, last year, and I remember soccer is like one of those games where it has very few rules. Like there are rules, but it's very easy to kind of understand. Like this person is going to try to kick this ball into that goal, and they're going to try right. to stop them. Now there are some offside rules and right, and obviously and no hands I'm not and things, saying that the rules are people are know games
1: better. Like if I'm watching chess, I see more than other people do, right? Or if I'm watching even basketball, yeah. which is a sport I know well, like okay, like even the the biggest layman of basketball can show up and clearly see when they dunk it, like, okay, that was awesome, right? But I, and, and then someone who knows more about basketball can appreciate, you know, the ball movement and the footwork the and deeper. The, you know, the pick and roll that set up the play and all that stuff. So, you know, I totally hear you that there are levels of understanding that make that different, but I just think that judging and scoring by things that people are just never gonna fully comprehend is, is a really hard thing to sell. Um, I don't know.
0: Yeah. I agree. No, I think I think that's the, one of the biggest problems of me actually turning on half of the Olympics is when they get on the ice or at some of those more figurative things where they're judged on that or even in the summer Olympics when they're like, all right, this person is jumping off a high diving board and they're doing crazy stuff. I'm like, that looks absolutely right. amazing. Five stars. Right. I have no idea. Right. But then they're like four point two. And you're like, you're well, like I, why? I, like, you know, it's not described. Why? And I want to know the why. And I think that's why other sports, even probably curling, talks to you because you're like that person is going to hit that thing into there and that's going to happen um so and i think with chess it's the same thing is i can sit down and i can just tune into crazy house i was watching you and yasser um do some crazy house commentary that just finished i think yesterday two days ago we're recording on on the weekend now because danny's flying off Word. internationally international travel and um and you were right yasser has the most incredible commentary voice well, in the you, entire world the Morgan Freeman of chess. That's so what subtle so subtle and, and then somebody said, "Does that make Danny the Howard move. Cosell
1: of chess?" And I thought maybe that's good. And then I realized that Howard Cosell would, like didn't have a good reputation. I was like, "Oh, that guy was insulting me." So that's cool.
0: Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, when I grew up playing Crazy House, it was actually called blah blah blah. And he and well, I could sit down and watch that and. I didn't know anything about Crazy House, but even if I didn't know anything about chess, I could be like, okay, well, this piece, you know, you guys are describing the moves, but I could see that, oh, well, this piece can only seem to move this way, and I'll figure it out because obviously it's two different color pieces against each other, so it's very clear, definitive uh, part. I mean, Crazy House is a little bit different than just normal chess, but I did highly enjoy the, the crazy house about that, that uh, went down and it kind of blew my mind. Cause I'm like, I oh, was all I want to play is crazy house now because Yasser says, all he does is play uh-huh. crazy house. I yeah, don't that, know if I'm doing a good actually, Yasser impression, but I mean, I got to
1: give you some credit on that. That's, that's pretty good. Um, so, so good work, man. I
0: so how was it to
1: com- sit down the with Yasser? I, 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 I've commented with him a few times. He's just amazing. I mean, he's the best in the business. I think Yasser is, he can do smooth and silky, he can, he has so many stories that in the longer time control events like the Sinkville Cup and the other things he does outside of, you know, the chess.com events we do, which are much more fast paced. He, he, you know, he's a, he's a great, um uh, guy there. I mean, I, I think my, obviously, it's hard to compare styles. I feel like when I sit down, I generally take a commentary approach that is less about describing what's happening or any sort of, like, storytelling and trying to be like, how can I squeeze an educational nugget out of this, like, every moment for somebody who might care about learning something, right? So I kind of take, like, a in-your-face, here's this, here's what's going on, isn't this? And, and I think that Yasser is just – he's just – on the ball the whole time and, and can pick up his tempo whenever he needs to. And like I said, he's like his voice pops into my head at night and dreams and, and when I'm lonely and you know, that's Yasser's voice. So, I mean, (laughs) very good. Yasser's voice. It's like, exactly. Exactly. Danny. (laughs) Yeah. You're right on track. You're right on track. Yeah. Let's play. Let's see what John Lee crazy house. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Dan. Yeah. Listen to how he says. Exactly. That's my Exactly. 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 Anyway, no, he's 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 awesome. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. Well, uh also, are you ready for your yeah, trip? Yeah, we're getting What's ready for Costa Rica. On? I have no idea. I'm, um flying
0: out. Making the trip,
1: Kevin. Um I um I'm a little a little nervous. I'll be out of the country with my wife. All my kids will be home. I mean, I I travel alone. I travel a lot. I used to travel more, but whenever I've traveled, it's like Shauna's always home with the kids. You just have like no thought about anything being bad. Sometimes you just worry when you know when we're both gone. Not sometimes. It's the first
0: time we've ever really done that, and it's it's nerve wracking. Um, so is uh, is is Mama taking care of them, or what, what's uh, yeah, happening? Yeah, Mama's
1: gonna be there along with Tessa. T Money was. Um, completely on board to do it solo, but she's currently struggling with, with another aspect of her life, which I can tell you off the air. Um, so, uh, it. so it's, it's going to be, so it was kind of poor timing in that cause Tessa committed back in like November when we pulled the trigger on this thing. Right. Um, but, uh, but Kathy's stepping up like mama bears do and, um, should be all good. So the interesting thing will be, I struggle with work like meeting retreats, even though it's not really like, it's not just like the hangout time, but doing a lot of meetings when the rest of the company doesn't stop running and doesn't slow down. Like I can cancel all the shows. And if I, if there's a pro chess league thing, I can get somebody to sub in for me, which luckily there actually isn't any shows next week while we're gone. Cause I'm doing a show right after this podcast, but, um, that, how do you deal with that, right? When you're traveling a lot, I mean, I feel like it really, because uh, I don't want to come back home and be so overwhelmed by the things I couldn't get to in the meetings that then like family has to suffer. So I'm constantly in this like internal struggle of of judging where I'm putting my energy and time. And this is just something I do as a human being that I probably isn't productive at all because what's the point in judging it, uh, you know? But hey, I'm not going to Buddhist myself right now. I'm going to let Mots Buddhist me. What do you think? What's your Buddhist advice? <laughs>
0: So I guess, you know, when I travel a lot for work, it's, it is a big struggle. There's, there's life and work aspects to it. So work is easy to me because when I did a, I did a two week trip last year to South America and we recorded, I think when I was in South America as well, that was, um, that was one thing where I said, well, it's hard because you're kind of like, you have these work Things that you have to do, like you, they're on your calendar, they're in your email box, and you have to do them. But at some point, you have to realize that, like, hey, I am, I am gone, and that was a work right. trip. And then there's a difference between work trip and then actual holiday trip. So we're going to go to Spain in a few months here, and that is going to be um, H and J time away. And in that instance, it's really important for me to completely decouple everything. So what I do is I do a pre, pre-prep when I go away for a while. I Um, if I'm by myself, obviously Heather knows everything. My parents know where I'm going because my mom still gets a little bit worried about me. So I I let her know where I'm going and my other mom can follow me on on, Instagram. I have three moms. Some of them are social media
1: savvy. Others are not. Yeah. This
0: is, everybody has this issue. Exactly. I, I have a, I have a mom that follows me on Twitter, a mom on Instagram and a mom on no social media. So I have all the moms that come together and I love them all. Uh, and So, so that one is, if I'm flying for work, then, then it's kind of like, I have to do my due diligence to ensure that that communication with at home is really good. And it's hard against time zones. Like Costa Costa Rica is like almost the same time zone. So you should be good. One thing that, 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 that Heather and I did was we started using Snapchat a lot because of different time zones. So we could send each other messages uh, to each other while we were apart, uh, which is really good. Um, uh, which is nice because sometimes I'd be going to bed while she was just right. waking up. And in that instance, you're missing out on each other's whole day. So that was a way for us to be really connected. Um, and then if I'm gone for a week or two, we set up a, a, a Skype call or I'm or or, um, FaceTime call, whichever device I have at hand, and we ensure that we get like an hour in kind of like a mini date. And that's really important because. I don't know, just that FaceTime because like Snapchat is cool, but at the same time, like you're not having that that one-on-one to connection with the person, uh, which is nice. And then I think to try to decouple the work life is important too while you're away. So like when Heather and I go to uh, Spain, like I'm gonna attempt to not bring a laptop. It'll be hard, but I'm I'm literally just on my calendar public visible to everyone like i am gone and i do the one time if if it's real i use that outlook right. auto response I, I don't i don't like auto response I, I hate auto responses, auto responses. i'm not a big fan them. you have to do it you have to do it because people will email you and you just say listen i'm not here and i'm not you're not going to email me but i can't am not going to email you back right and if it's an emergency then you need to contact this person who will then contact me because right. th- that's it right and i think. You have to you have to set boundaries. I think that's the hardest part for a lot of people in this day and age where we're so right. connected, you're we're so focused to always on work. Be available. like nobody, exactly. nobody gives. But you if a you're pass. on, I I mean, I've
1: mm-hmm. literally had people freak out because they didn't hear back from me like within a couple hours because of an email. You know, that seems a little extreme. Mm-hmm. Like that was a them problem. But yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It, and I think it it is a them problem if that's a them problem. Nothing. I one thing my boss told me, Joseph. He's like, he's like, you know. James, he's like, you're going on, you're emailing people back, like as soon as they email you. And he's like, nothing is literally that important. And if you set the principle that you're emailing someone back within minutes within, then you have time. Like you just have time and their, your time becomes their time because now they, it's not like they're doing it intentionally, but how the human brain works is they you kind of hint on like, Oh, this person has time for me. I'm just, I'm just going to take it. Right. And it's not bad. It's just how our brains kind of meld together and work. But you have to set that boundary again, which is like, I am not going to, one, one uh, coworker of mine, he has his inbox and my inbox now is set up to inbox is only internal employees that um, to me on the two line, I have a CC inbox, and then I have a external inbox. So anyone that emails me outside of the company, this is my work email. And that setup has allowed me to say anything in the inbox is probably pretty important because it's to me. And if you don't know how to use to and CC and BCC correctly, go Google how to use email correctly because Microsoft really follow that. It's so important.
1: They don't know how to do that. They're probably lost right now. And therefore, we should guide them back to the library. So just stop listening to the podcast and go back to the library.
0: Yeah, exactly. So so that allows me to really make that distinction point and and if it's in the external or if it's in the CC, in the CC, guess what? If you put me on a CC line, that literally tells me that this email is only informational and I have nothing to do, you know? So because in the past I would not do that and everything would just come into and my inbox and I had no rules to set up apply to everything.
1: You know, this is honestly at first exactly. when you were talking about the work balance life, I mean, I I wasn't sure I was paying as close attention. You were probably talking about your feelings. So I kind of blacked out, but after you got, no, I'm kidding at the, I I really feel like that was really helpful advice because it's not something I do. I don't set up proper boundaries and I don't allow myself to have auto responses. And I have gotten a lot better at not responding to emails that I don't need to, because you end up getting to the point where you have to, right? You like, if you're not, if you're not, not responding, then you're not managing your time. And, uh, and that's also, yeah,
0: yeah mm-hmm. I actually
1: had a conversation just this morning regarding a, um, uh, email with a teammate, uh, several teammates from somebody who emailed us a question and he responded and jumped in and said the things that I normally do. Right. Kind of like some, you know, understood mm-hmm. what to say. And then he like hit me up on Slack. He's like, Hey, I'm sorry. I didn't wait for you on that. Like, I really feel like I shouldn't have, I regret it as soon as I hit send. And like, I shouldn't have, you know, step. I know that's, you know, you're the boss of that. I was like, dude, are you kidding me? Like you are, I'm like, you are awesome. <laughs> like, I'm like, you just got promoted for not waiting for me to respond to an email. Like seriously. Right. It was like, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Um, and I think that, uh, that's, I'm always trying, it's not hard for me to surround myself in chess.com with people that are smarter than me. I, I, it's pretty easy for me to do that because of my own level of intelligence, but I'm constantly trying to do that. Right. Surround myself with people that could like you know, you want to be, you want to be, you want to be hittable by a bus. You got to create an environment where I could get hit by a bus and everyone's going to be fine. So I'm always trying to create that environment, anticipating that I'm going to get hit by a bus. Look how morbid
0: I made that. <laughs> well, and that's the thing is if you do get hit by a bus, then, life goes on, you know, everyone's life goes on, <laughs> life goes on without yeah, you, I mean, Dan. It's li- not
1: a big deal, Dan. Yeah. Life goes on. I don't know where this podcast got away from me, but it clearly did. So let's, uh, let's bring it up to a close here. Uh, appreciate everybody who's tuning in. Leave us, uh, yes. leave us some, some friendly feedback. Uh, obviously we, uh, we want to know what you think. All right, Mott, say something. So I stop talking, hurry, say something. I, <laughs>
0: uh yes go go watch uh danny's commentary to the um crazy house i'll put the pro chess league in the show notes it's it's, it's good fun to watch even in the background just to listen to yes or not dan you're not really listening no, it for danny that's but what careful, i realized
1: the voice might put you to sleep in a good way because he's just he's like a chess sh- whisperer <laughs>
0: he was like just for this yes and while you go do that you can of course send us an email like Danny told you to do give us your feedback on the show go to blunders.fm there's a contact button and guess what that emails us and it contacts us because that's what the button does uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at James Montemagno Danny at Daniel Wrench on Twitter and with that we'd appreciate it if you leave a review that'd be fantastical cool. we read them live on the air um, and that's it Danny um, have an amazing trip safe travels um, I will talk to you in about a week and a half all right Ловите.